This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Sort of understated or what? This is a land that prays for a hero. The humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival. You are listening to Greening the Apocalypse on Triple R102.7 FM. Sarah just pointed at me and said, you do the show in track, eh? <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Planning. To Green the Apocalypse. Uh, Triple R's weekly foray into matters of stuff and stuff that matters. Yeah. You probably should have done that. I should have just rhymed was, like Bushy. It was about Hey, a shout out to Bushy. It was Bushy's birthday recently. Yeah. Happy birthday, dear Bushy. The Mastodon from Macedon. Um, and it was a significant one too, wasn't it? Turn thirty, <laughs> yeah. something like that. That is the voice of smooth operator Jed McCartney. How are you, Jed? I'm well, thank you. <laughs> and the other one you hear is uh, that extremophile organism, uh, Rottnest to Perth, long distance swimmer in training, Sarah Coles. How are you, Sarah? I'm pretty good, but um, technically you go from Perth to Rottnest <laughs> because you swim to the pub. At Rottnest is a pub called the Quokka Arms, and that is where the race ends. Oh, yeah. So that's quite good. Nice. But should we get into it? We should. Tell us about... So tonight we're taking a foray, um, sort of a bit of a diversionary turn from um, shows of late. Yeah, because... Talking with quite a character, though. um, We often joke as we're leaving this studio that we're going to get shot by a vegan sniper. On our way out, Bushy often makes that joke because a lot of the time we are talking to farmers and producers who do things with meat. We've done that. Hunters. We've had quite we've had quite a heavy meat content. Yeah. And I thought it would be interesting to talk to a vegan. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be interesting to talk to a vegan who's also a Hare Krishna, who's also used to be the bodyguard for the bad brains, who's been in jail, went AWOL from the Navy, um, got shot and is an extreme athlete. So this was your list of criteria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you find so anyone? So I punched that into Google. Yeah, yeah. No. Anyway, so here's the show. So um, in the late 90s, the World Health Organization formally recognised obesity as a global epidemic. Mm-hmm. I found that interesting because epidemic is defined as the rapid spread of infectious disease to a large number of people in a given population within a short period of time. So the idea of obesity as an infectious disease seems a bit cooked until you look around and you notice a red rooster home delivery car on your street or self-appointed health experts. A red rooster is the infection (laughs) infection medium. Yeah, or just... um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation. There's so much out there at the moment about the health benefits of coconut oil. 
mm. and um, my sister's a doctor, and it drives her crazy. Because it's so like full it's of saturated, saturated fat. fat. Yeah. People, yeah. just what is going on here? So I think the science is still a little bit uh, is opening up on that one a little bit but yeah i think conventional wisdom is still that it's bad yeah so yeah. what i'm trying to say is that there's like poor diet mm. crappy information sedentary lifestyles are common contagions mm. in this infection but so like the other day i looked out the window of the train in richmond and there was a guy standing on a street corner holding a box of donuts with it's always a good time written on it and um I am not immune to that good time. Mm-hmm. Last week, my friend Tess and I ate nearly an entire pavlova in one sitting as a dare. <laughs> and as you know, like I'm always eating, I'm always eating some pretty nasty junk food. Yeah, but I you tend, eat pineapple flavored things. Yeah, I tend to like have fake um, pineapple. Like that I is eat, the most, most abominable. Yeah, food stuff eat known a, to humanity. Um, so my thing is that I've got a high protein plant-based diet every day i have a green smoothie made with maca powder and um i have you know a stir fry for dinner with black eyed peas and tempeh Mm -hmm. but i supplement my healthy diet with nasty junk food crack Mm -hmm. so i have chocolate oranges cadbury snack as you mentioned fries vegan chicken nuggets instant ramen so my so point can is, can we just that undermine I'm that product placement just by saying? <laughs> I mean, you did call it crap. Yeah, my yeah. point is, I'm just as that. lousy as everybody yeah. else. And um, I mean, I do a lot of exercise, and I know how to cook whole foods, but I'm pretty crap. Mm. I just wanted to say that at the start, so I don't sound too righteous. But I also wanted to add before we get into tonight's interview with the famous vegan athlete and author of the book Meat is for Pussies, I think it's important to point out being overweight doesn't automatically mean you're unhealthy. Fat shaming is not cool. And it's better to be fat and a cool person than thin and an asshole. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement I'm, here. I'm very interested to hear <laughs> this as a, um, as a diabetic. Like there's so ah. much information and misinformation. And, yeah. And, yeah, so I'm, I'm really keen. Like, is I, it type 2 this. diabetes? Um, yeah, type 2, type 1, yeah, yeah. like I'm insulin dependent now, mm. so... Um, yeah. Probably also yeah. one of the fittest people I know, given how much you ride. Yeah. And, and fat, mm. so you can be both. You can be both. Yeah, see, <laughs> Not that fat. But. I just mean that you should, um, maybe we could all do with picturing the inside of our blood vessels a bit more. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not really about how you appear cool. on the outside. But I've been thinking about chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease and diet and that I should probably stop eating (laughs) cabbage snack. (laughs) (laughs) You probably should. But I take it our guest tonight. Yeah, he'd have a thing or two to say about that. He he does a little bit of the shaming, does he? Yeah. So what happened was I started training for this big swim, Pertoronis, and then I read somewhere vegans recover from exercise faster because they have less inflammation, Mm -hmm. which I got to wondering about that and then I started reading about vegan athletes and then I started reading about something called a plant-based diet which is a whole food diet based on fruit vegetables grains and legumes and it tends to exclude or minimize meat dairy eggs and refined foods Mm, and then I read a book called Finding Ultra by a vegan athlete and I looked him up on the internet and that's how I found out about tonight's guest Mm -hmm. John Joseph Punk rock icon John Joseph has written a book called Meat is for Pussies, a how-to guide for dudes who want to get fit, kick ass and take names. John is a plant-based endurance athlete. Some Triple R listeners might know him as the lead singer of hardcore punk band The Cro-Mags. 
and he had a rough start in life. He grew up on the streets, in foster homes, got into gangs. He was a drug mule. He was stabbed, as I mentioned. He was shot. He went to jail. He went AWOL from the Navy. And then if you fast forward to now, he's 55 years old. He's doing triathlons. He's an author and he is quite a spiritual person. I interviewed John this morning, Melbourne time. He was in a tour van and his band Blood Clot are touring across America. And so at the time of the interview, they'd been driving for hours and they're driving past farmland. So at times the reception drops out in this interview. And I should mention this episode comes with a very strong language content warning. So if you don't like the F word, now might be a good time to listen to Goal 104. Um, I start by asking him what his book Meat is for Pussies is about. Well, it's uh, it's a manual for uh, how to beat disease and get fit and... Um you know, and there's a lot of recipes in there and a lot of information that I've gathered over the last 30 seekers of uh, of doing this plant-based thing. So, you know, a whole food plant-based diet is what is what I adhere to. And, uh, I mean, I'm out here with my new band, uh, Blood Clot. We're touring. I'm training every day. We're playing every night. We're driving. So it's really the optimal uh, diet. Uh to kick ass in life and that's what the book says is uh you know a guy for dudes who want to get fit take names kick ass and take names so hey what does that mean take names like it's just it's an expression in new york i'm gonna kick ass and take names like you know it's it's just like uh, what is it it's like you if you win in a fight you get their name nah it's just an expression it's you know Yeah. Yeah. Because Australians, we don't have that expression. So yeah, know I know. I just did the Iron Man in Australia. I know all about <laughs> it. And I've toured over yeah. there a bunch of times, too. So I know things are a lot different. Um. So the book sort of challenges the idea that real men um, pump iron and then smash the back out of a stake. So yeah. why did you... Why did you write a book aimed at men? Like, do many women read it? Do you know? Well, actually, uh, the majority of the book sales were from women who bought the book for their guys because the dudes just don't listen. They're stuck on stupid. (laughs) And once they read the book in in the tone and the vernacular and the way I talked, and they were like, yo, I would have never listened to some fucking vegan fucking tree hugger but the way this dude breaks it down it makes sense and then they try it and you know they're kicking ass in life the weight's coming off they're getting fit and you know their uh their junk starts working again and uh you know and, and the women appreciate that so Sweet. you know if i was a chick and my man's uh shit wasn't working i'd be looking for some ways to make that happen and uh, maybe that's why they bought the book. <laughs> but the title came because uh, I was training uh, my buddy's an MMA fighter, and I was working out with him in the gym and uh, getting them ready for a fight. And I was telling him, you know, I was giving him a lot of dietary advice and uh, some, like, you know, meathead overheard the word vegan or whatever and 
comes over and starts being like, yeah, all the fucking vegans are little pussies and all this shit. And, you know, fucking veganism is pushy, pussy shit. <laughs> and I was like, yo, dude, <laughs> like, I haven't eaten meat in, thir- in, like, I guess at that time it was like 30-something years. I was like, put some headgear on and get in the ring, and we'll see who's the <laughs> pussy. And he's like, oh, uh, uh, you know. And, I mean, the good thing was I gave him a copy of the book later, and he ended up going plant-based. So, so anyway, I had another title. I had another title for yeah. the book. Uh, and it was like the Go Green Road to Health, Fitness, and yeah, Longevity. Yeah, that's not as good. And, and then my and then my publisher was like, you know, what are you fucking Doctor Oz? Nobody wants to hear that fucking book coming from you, dude. <laughs> what Come are you, on, the juice man. man? And then I started telling him. No, but the thing was, uh, I I told him the story of what the dude said in the gym that fucking people that are vegan are pussies. And then my publisher was like, you got to throw it back in their face. Fuck them. And that's why he, I say, yeah, no shit, man. Meat is for pussies. They're the ones fucking, fucking, you know, getting fucking uh, erectile dysfunction and, and fucking up the planet and all this other shit. Yeah. They're the, you know, and then he was like, yeah. Let's, I said, yeah, meat is for fucking pussies. And he goes, that's the title of the book. And that's how that title came about. It's like, you know. For so many years, people fucking slam people just because you didn't eat. Oh, meat is macho and all this shit. And, you know, I guess I was the first one to throw the shit back in their face. So do you think that there's... Uh, do you think that people have a perception that vegans are a bit preachy and pasty? Not really, like, because maybe in the 80s they were, but now... There's all these guys that are leading by example, and they're all fit. You know, dudes in, in, in the UFC, Nate Diaz, and, you know, all these competitive triathletes and, and fighters and boxers and weightlifters and CrossFit people. And there's no need to preach anymore. Just get out there and show motherfuckers what you can do on a plant-based diet. And that's that's what I do. You know, I, I don't sit there preaching to people no more. I, you know, if if somebody asks a question and they're inquisitive, then that's a different story. But if if a dude's just going to be a knucklehead, I, I'm not going to waste my breath on him. You know, yeah, I'm trying to convert somebody unless they are, uh, you know, interested in, in 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 the process. But if somebody wants to debate, I'm clearly ready for that because. Most of the people that are like, oh, yeah, I heard like those diets are lacking in nutrients. It's like they're on the worst diets on the planet. They eat the worst shit. And then they're questioning, you know, and here I am. I'm ready to turn 55 and I'm doing my 10th Ironman in October. So, you know, and I train basically every single freaking day almost. So, um, for the triple R listeners, is an Ironman, is that like the 3.86 kilometer swim and a 180 yeah. ride and yep. then 42 yep. kilometer run? Yeah. So you're That's doing it. those and you're 55. Yep. Doing those and, and, and as, a matter, as a matter of fact, 
in, in, I went to Cannes uh, June 11th, and, and two days before the race, I pulled a muscle in my back, and I still went out and, and, and finished the race, even though I could barely stand up. So, and, the, and awesome. you know, it was just because uh, the plant-based diet fights inflammation and all kinds of other stuff. But, I mean, a lot of it is mental, but you also have to prepare yourself physically for that. If someone saw you on the street, they might think you're kind of a macho dude, but you do have quite a spiritual side. Yeah. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? I mean, uh, I had a very rough uh, upbringing. I was raised in, you know, my father basically tried to murder my mother and we got put into foster homes that abused us for seven years. And I went onto the streets, 76, 77, 78. I went to, went to prison, did two years and, and then went into the Navy and uh, was taking drugs. And, uh, you know, right when I needed to hear the message, uh, the messengers uh, came and uh, it was this band, uh, this punk rock, Rastafarian band, the Bad Brains. I met them in 1980. And uh, I had just gotten back from Jamaica and I met Rastafarians in the Navy down there and they were telling me about uh, ITAL, I-T-A-L, which is like, that's like a pure plant-based diet, not even no oil. So, uh, and, and then, you know, I, I mean, the seed was planted, although I was like, ah, fuck that. But then the Babrains were just this incredible punk rock band that blew me away. And then that's what they were doing too. And their sound man was all into yoga and philosophy. And, uh, I went AWOL from the Navy like a few months, I don't know, six, seven, eight months later. And, uh, and I started working with them. They got me a job in a health food store and, so I got into yoga meditation and then uh, met uh, some Hare Krishna devotees and got some books from Prabhupada. And, and I lived uh, almost uh, two years as a monk in, uh, in Hawaii and New York. So, I mean, you know, that's why uh, you can't judge a book by the cover. You know, like I, I, I don't, uh, you know, ever judge people uh by appearance, although when they open their mouth, that's a different story because uh, it's said that a fool can go undetected until they open their mouth, and then you see, you know, so I, I just try to repeat uh, the things I've learned to people and, uh, and, and treat everybody with respect and, uh, and, you know, have some level of humility in life that's important. You know, so. Do you think, um, so you had a pretty um, abusive upbringing and some violence in life early on. Do you think that oh, you I had violence can heal? All, I had violence all through the 80s too. Like, I'm yeah. on, I, you know, I'm living on the streets of New York. It was constant violence. People trying to rob you just because you get into some spirituality. I don't follow the doctrine of turn the other cheek. If someone took a swing on me, I would take their head off. That's not 
because I got into yoga and, and, and veganism and whatever. That don't that didn't that didn't uh, you know turn me into a, 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 a uh, you know a eunuch that lost his his testicles. It's New York. That's where I come from. It may be different in Australia, but in New York, if somebody is you know challenging you and you know you know not necessarily verbally but they're stepping to you to cause some do some physical damage you, you need to handle your business that's what it is in the streets of new york and it's still like that and no matter where we go the other night somebody threw a beer at our guitar player our drummer came out from from behind the drums and we were ready to fight whoever whoever the fuck did it so you don't just become some coward because, you know, you take to spirituality. If you read the Vedas, the Bhagavad Gita was spoken on a battlefield. Martial arts originated in India. There's a whole class mm. of, of, of people called the Kshatriyas who are the warrior class. So clearly uh, from my upbringing, that's kind of what road I went down, you know, uh, studying martial arts and fighting most of my life studying boxing a whole nine yards. That's what I'm into, but I don't use it to be a bully. I use it if I have to defend myself or my loved ones or friends or whatever. And then it's like, you know, you're hurt to a degree <laughs> to end the situation, whatever it is. Yeah. So. Do you think that um, people can heal from trauma by eating a compassionate diet? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think one of the things I say is, is my whole life changed once I stopped consuming the corpses and the karma of dead animals. That's, it was like a light switch yeah. came on, you know. Uh, how, how did it change? Well, you know, I mean, I just, I, you know, I just, something inside clicked, you know. And I became, uh, I would look, you know, uh, a, a sense of peace kind of came over my life at the time. And I got drug free, alcohol free, all of that. Yeah. But it all started, it all started with getting off the meat, you know, you know, but, but like I said, I still have that nature is still there. It's just. I don't lose my mind now. Like if the situation arises, I'm, I'm more I'm in control of the situation. Yeah. So uh, you know, but absolutely, a lot of things uh, changed in my life when I stopped uh, consuming animals. Um, the ultra marathon athlete and podcaster Rick Roll, he said about you. He defines hardcore. Can you please define hardcore? I mean, you know, that's just punk rock, hardcore, but hardcore means things in other areas. Like, you know, oh, that dude's a hardcore uh, triathlete or a hardcore boxer or a hardcore martial. You know, it just means like, yo, you go after things 100%, you know? Yeah, and even with the new band, I'm doing blood clot. It's like every night we go on stage, and it's like boom, you just you gotta lay it down, you know. 
Um, in your book, you write about the four steps to transition to health. What What are those steps? I mean, I'm not going to get into that whole thing right now, but uh, the first step is to acquire knowledge and apply it. And I, it, it, to me, it's universal with anything you want to do, whether it's martial arts, whether it's eating right, whether it's training, whether it's starting a band, whatever it is, you acquire knowledge and then you have to apply it to your life. So, and eliminate the bad shit out of your life. You know, you get rid of the bad stuff. So that's, you know, I'll just speak generally about that because that process works for any area of life. And surround yourself by other people that are passionate about what you're doing. Yep. Um, I wanted to ask you a tricky question. Um... So in Australia, I think you said you've been here a few times. Did you? Yeah. So, did you go out into the country at all while you were here? Like, did you see any? Nah, we. I've been on tour over there. So, like, I did the Soundwave Revolution tour, and then I was over there again in 2000, and uh, and then I just raced Ironman in Cannes. So I don't really haven't been into the, uh, you know into the um, outback or the middle of the country. We always just played in the, on the edges, you know. Or I've been over to Perth and all <laughs> that kind of stuff. But. Yeah, because one of the things about it here is that our soil is really bad. So yeah. the land is really degraded, like more than 70% of our land. Um, we need new topsoil. So... A lot of the people that we've interviewed on this show before are, f- are small-scale farmers who are using livestock to rebuild the soil. And I wanted to yeah. know, as a vegan, what, what you th- live, like, livestock? Like, what do you think about uh, that? Livestock waste. Yeah, like using animal manure to build the soil. I mean, you know. I, I can't speak on that. I mean, that's most of the organic farming in the United States is done that way. Yeah, I wanted to know what you, th- as a vegan, what do you think about when people use animal inputs well, in that way? Well, you know what? Well, you know, here, you know, here, here's the thing. There's also veganic farming that's happening now. That's a big thing. Yeah. My friend has a veganic farm, which is organic, and he doesn't use any animal waste oh that's interesting uh, to farm his land but the higher principle is to stop eating animals yeah so i just yeah oh man you smell the manure i was just curious we're just passing crops right now something on it i don't know (laughs) so i mean you know look whatever it takes yeah for people to go to a plant-based diet you know my friend, my friend uh, rescued over forty cows in Florida, and he uses the, the waste on his organic farm. But he doesn't kill the animals, and he doesn't drink the animals' milk. Yep, that's interesting. Thanks for answering that. Yeah, I mean, the high, 
So I also I noticed and I'm, animals. Sorry, you're cutting out of it there. Hello. Okay, we gotta kind of cut. Oh. I gotta cut this short because I'm, I'm in an area with bad reception and. The whole van is like me having my conversation. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. Um, I, like I noticed that you had a chapter in your book about Monsanto. Can you tell us what bothers yeah. you the most about them? It's not just Monsanto. It's Syngenta. It's Dow. It's Cargill. It's all of these companies. And they're poisoning people with their food. And I just talked about it last night because I played in St. Louis last night. And that's the world headquarters of Monsanto. And basically what their whole goal is, is two things. Take over the world food supply and to sell more pesticides. So they're spraying millions of pounds of pesticides all over the world. And uh, they, this is the first time. If you watch a documentary called The World According to Monsanto having lower yields they're not having bigger yields and then they're soaking the stuff with their pesticides it's giving the people all kinds of stomach disorders irritable bowel syndrome ibs crohn's since they started doing their campaign of lies and bullshit in the 80s look at all the stomach problems and bowel cancers and all this stuff that's exploded all over the planet so the fact that they keep claiming that they want to feed the world and they're the way to feed the world, that's bullshit. They have third world farmers, uh, you know, they're bankrupting them. They're taking their farms. They're taking the farms of, of people. If, if seed blows onto somebody else's land and cross-pollinates with their non-Monsanto, non-GMO field, okay, their scientists come over. And they, they take a piece of the, they, they test uh, the, the crops. And if their gene is in the crop, they sue you. Even though it got blown by the wind, it doesn't matter. They have a patent on uh, all of their stuff. So it's to take control. They even said they want to control the world's food supply from seed to table. Mm. And that's what they're trying to, that's what they're trying to do. And they're polluting the world. They're polluting the planet. They're making people sick. And I just have one question. Why the fuck do you want a chemical company making your food? Organic is the way people ate 100 years ago. And there wasn't all of this cancer and all this stomach problems. All that means is you're letting the food grow the way nature intended it to be grown. So now they give you all this bullshit. Farmers can't save seed anymore. It's illegal because their seed is patented. You need to buy seed. And then they even have terminated gene technology where the, the plant doesn't produce any seed. So you have to keep buying the seed and you have to keep buying the Roundup and the rest of the stuff. And now Roundup doesn't even work anymore. They came out with a next Dow. Dow chemicals came out with a next pesticide. That's even more of a carcinogen. Glyphosate, which is the main ingredient in, in Roundup, has been proven to cause cancer. It's banned everywhere around the world right now, except in the United States and a couple other countries where they have great power in the government. So 
I don't eat genetically modified food, or as we call it on our road trip here, get mos. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this shit is poison. And it's poisoning people, it's killing people, it's giving people cancer. I mean, it's a neurotoxin. It destroys the nervous system of the bug and kills it. It explodes the stomach of the bug. Why the fuck would you want to ingest that? Why would you want to be pregnant and be eating genetically modified food with glyphosate and pass that on to your unborn child? And the thing is, Here's the medical evidence. The doctors are now telling people and they're prescribing non-GMO diets for people with stomach disorders and it goes away. So there is the proof is in the pudding. Get off the GMOs, switch to a whole food plant-based organic diet and 99.9% .9 of your health problems will clear up. And get meters for pussies because it's going to tell you what books to read, what movies to watch, recipes, everything. Thank you, John. So, that's what I... Thank you so much right. for talking to us. Yeah. I mean, sorry it was a bad connection and everything, and I'm on tour, but I wanted to do the interview with you guys anyway. I think it's My great. new band, Blood Clot... My new band, Blood Pot, will be in Australia probably next year, so. Okay. You got any tracks Where are out you yet? guys out of? Huh? We're out of Triple R in Melbourne. There's a really good um, show called Respect the Rock that plays hardcore and oh, thrash. Okay. Um, you should check it out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I played at uh, High Vibe there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, I played in Melbourne twice. Was it good? Yeah, it was great. There's a lot of vegan food here. Yeah, I know. I met. I, I, I even went up to the Hare Krishna restaurant and hung out with them. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Thank well, you. Thanks for the interview. Good luck with your tour. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Classic interview, Sarah Coles. Nice work. That was uh, John Joseph, um, ultra-athlete lead singer of the Cro-Mags and his new band Blood Clot and author of Meat is for Pussies. Possibly a thing to unpack from the interview, he mentioned veganic farming. Did you ever look into what that was, Sarah Coles? Um, a little bit. I was too busy reading chapter a chapter of his book called Diets are for Jerk-Offs to really <laughs> <laughs> look deeply into it. Yeah. Um, what, what, what was that about? I'm, it's really I'm good. He just, he just goes through all the different diets. And just slays them one by one, you know, South Beach diet. And he just has a shit list of all the diets and he talks about how he feels. It's quite good. And then there's a chapter, um, chapter 12, 30 Days to Rock Solid. And it's how a man can transform himself into a supreme being in 30 days. And I think I should challenge Adam to do it. <laughs> I'm going to challenge Adam Grubb on air to take the 30-day meat is for pussies challenge. What do you have to do? Um, you have to do a lot of push-ups. You have to establish smart goals. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's lots of strength training, cardio work. 
Uh, it sounds intense. Sounds. I want annoying. you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not yeah. super enthused about exercise. I mean, a little bit here and there's okay. <laughs> I um, I did think it was interesting though when he mentioned that there was a thing called veganic farming. Yeah, yeah. So I had a bit of a look. Is you know I went as far as Wikipedia, it. um, and it seemed to be saying that it's it's more a set of principles and a farming method. The the veganic gardening method is a dis, is a distinct system though, uh, developed by Rosa and Kenneth Daisyl O'Brien. One thing I thought was a bit ridiculous though there is that they their principal argument is that animal manures are harmful to soil health rather than. Um, it, ra- rather than argue it from a ha- from a cruelty perspective, that is ridiculous. That's a Sorry. wild idea. But, but not not all of it is under that banner. It's mostly people that want to keep animals out of agriculture altogether. And we've had one fellow on the show before, Jody Roebuck, who, oh. although funnily enough, we did last we've had him on twice, and the second time it was about his sheep operation, but the first time was about his biointensive gardening method, which is a no animal input. A uh, fairly small space veggie growing system. Does that have something to do with John Jevons? John Jevons. Yeah. So he's the pioneer of that one. And it involves growing lots of grass crops and other crops which you grow just purely for making compost. So about three quarters of your crop space is just there to build the soil. The other quarter is, th- is where your food is being grown. Now, it's pretty impressive. Uh, from the permaculture perspective, what we try and do is you model your food systems on nature as much as possible. And a lot of the world was grasslands, rangelands, pasture. And in general, you, you would say that like uh, it is possible, I think, to, um, to farm in ways, farm animals in ways that mimic nature and actually probably sequester more carbon in the soil than the methane from their burps emits. Uh, growing vegetables is a much harder proposition to find an ecological analogue of because you've got these short rotation crops. Um, that doesn't really happen in nature very much. And where it does, it's where you get... Anywhere you get bare soil, um, you often got an ecological problem and that's what you need to grow veggies. You're constantly turning the soil to get rid of weeds and this is what happens when we grow our wheat. The biointensive method is a soil-building method that's no animal input you grow all your stuff so it really in a way it's sort of hey language warning again we've been swearing a lot but it fucks with that perspective that you have to do everything based on these ways that nature did it and find these analogs there's real this guy john jevons and our friend jody roebuck have really developed this way of producing a vegan diet pretty effectively but when i was thinking about it if if you've got this straw which you and or quite green stuff that's full of nutrient which you're feeding into your compost pile in a way you're taking this animal quality feed and you're wasting its potential by dropping it down to compost in one step what you one thing that you get into the mindset of as you start to think in these ways is is there any way if you're reducing the quality of something which is animal quality feed down to something which is just compost which is very low it's very it's relatively stable because a lot of the energy has been taken out of it in the composting process it turns into heat it turns you can, you can cook an egg in the middle of a compost pile um if it's big enough and it turns into bacteria um metabolism 
a cow is kind of like a walking compost heap. And if you were to feed it to a cow, you end up with a cow poo and you'll end up with pretty much the same amount of compost if you add the cow poo into the compost pile. So does that make sense? Mm. So you end up, you, you're by, by throwing the straw and, or it's actually really hay if you want to um, split hairs here, uh, in, into the compost pile, you are reducing the potential of animal life on the planet. And so there's probably ways, and there almost always is. You just made some powerful enemies, my friend. In growing, well, there's nearly always um, ways of speeding up nutrient cycling in systems by incorporating animals. Now, a lot of the veganic uh, systems don't deny this, but they would just rather there be wild animals coexisting with them in their farming system rather than domesticated ones. I liked what he said about his friend had the 40 cows and he just, wasn't drinking their milk, but he was using them on the mm. farm. Oh, that but, but then okay. at a, a certain point, you've got these aging cows that are going to die a, a sort of drawn out death by natural causes, or you could oh, <laughs> shoot yeah. them in the head with a bullet. And and um, you also, if you don't have predat- predators in a cow. system, then, I mean, obviously you could just not have a bull. But if... Whenever there are animals without any natural predators, they tend to overgraze or overconsume their natural resource. They're assholes. <laughs> I'm not blaming them for it. It's <laughs> yeah. just that nature has a way of balancing this stuff. And humans have wiped out most of the large predators in the world, and that happened in this country too, probably. Um, but then ste- they stepped up and became the natural predators. And kept ecological balance that way so that's not an what about human you're on a vegan farm yeah i noticed that some of them do that so that's that's another thing where you become uh part of the you, you become a kind of herbivore that's cycling nutrients in the same way that the animals would but you can only we can only eat high quality uh foodstuffs not uh, lignin-rich materials or, um, you, you know, grass and things. So we can't really do a very good job of it ourselves at mm. cycling those all those it, nutrients. It's an interesting concept, though. Like, one of the things we've talked about is that there's, we need too many animals because people are increasing their meat consumption. So yeah. how do we keep growing more and more animals to meet that? Yet if you take his oh. philosophy, you'd say, well, we don't need all those animals. We yeah, and, and we'll be healthier. It, it's... Uh, I, I, I think so. it's a it's a great heuristic. It's a it's a good rule of thumb if you're eating from the industrial food chain and you don't know where your f- food is really coming from. Avoiding meat, pretty it's going to reduce your environmental impact in general, especially if you're eating animals that have been fed grains like mm. pigs and chickens, who also happen to be quite intelligent, especially pigs, but both um, and live the most cruel existences imaginable. Uh, but as you approach true sustainability, you, what you're aiming for is to create these ecosystems that provide for human needs, and it's pretty questionable whether you can do that without animals being involved in the mix. And I think it's even a question if you look at uh, industrial production of, of wheat, for instance, which we've covered on the show, and the amount of uh, mice that are killed in its production and the amount of poisons that are uh, applied in a lot of situations just to keep animals away so they never even exist. 
the amount of cruelty that goes into an industrial vegan diet is n- not inconsiderable. Uh, and if you've got a soil building, uh, small scale agricultural system which is using animals, uh, sometimes even though you're obviously directly related to an animal death if you're eating that animal, but you might be indirectly killing less sentient beings. Like one one large cow feeds a lot of people, but the facts, I can't remember what they were, but the amount of um, mice that were killed when wheat was being harvested was really quite surprising when we covered that article that was in the conversation a couple of years ago. Yeah, so anyway, it's, it's a... It's a complicated issue, but Guy was pretty was really passionate for the, book yeah, is, yeah, the vegan perspective. The book is worth reading. I mean, I read it by mistake because I'm not a, a dude, so I'm a, a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was actually quite good, and the recipes are really great. So I recommend it to people to check it out. Green of the Apocalypse is where you are on Triple R. Uh, great interview tonight, Sarah Coles. Uh, where can we find Very find good. out more about John Joseph? Um, yeah, you can watch um, him on Vice TV telling you how to make a green smoothie to help with erectile dysfunction, <laughs> um, which is worth a watch. <laughs> and he's also written another book, um, Evolution of a Cro-Mag, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. It's a memoir, which would be fascinating. Um, yeah. I, I love um, Sarah's just given me his book to read um, and I'd like the title says a how-to guide for dudes who want to get fit kick ass and take names yeah, yeah. let's learn how to take names <laughs> Jeb McCartney thanks for um, doing pleasure. the dials and buttons we have been Green the Apocalypse oh next week we've got <gasps> Tim Flannery coming in he's got a new book called Sunlight and Seaweed an argument for how to feed power and clean up the world so tune in for that we will see you then on Tuesday uh, until then good night <laughs> This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.